0: Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Great to see you guys this morning. So glad you're here. If you're in the room, if you're online, we're grateful that you're joining us and today we're we're getting into the home stretch of this season in the life of our church that we've called uncharted in this time we're asking God to take all of us our number one goal is that 100% of us that call life church uh, our church that we would be in on this spiritual journey asking God to take us to a fresh place in our love for him our passion for his kingdom a fresh place in our faith that the overflow of that would be that God would take each of us to a new place in what generosity looks like in our lives, and that the overflow of that is that Life Church will be able to make a bigger kingdom impact, both here in South Reno, here regionally, and around the world, than we've ever been able to make before. And so, uh, this last Friday night was our advanced commitment night, uh, much of our leadership community and people that were ready to step out and lead the way and making uh, their, our commitments. We gathered Friday night. It was an epic, amazing night to be a part of. And then next Sunday, we'll do it all together uh, as, as a church family. Those of us that have already stepped out, we're going to put in a card again, and then all of us that haven't yet, all together as an act of unity as a church, we'll make our commitments next Sunday. It's going to be, I believe it's going to be one of those moments for many of us that we look back for the rest of our lives as a powerful moment where we stepped out in in, in a fresh way and that God has blessed us. And so I can't wait for next Sunday together and And if you find yourself out of town next Sunday, or maybe you normally join us online, there is at, uh, go to lifechurchnv.com and click on Uncharted. There's a place there where you will have the opportunity to make a, fill out a digital commitment card. But if you can in any way be here in the room next weekend, you are going to wanna be. And so we're looking at the life of Abraham, this hero of faith. And And Abraham's life is filled with these pivotal moments these incredible moments, these challenging moments, and and today's story is probably at the top of the list. One of the strangest, most unusual stories in the whole Bible. If you have your Bibles, go over to Genesis 22. Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham here I am, he replied. And and that little phrase uh, that's used in the Hebrew, it's it's really more than just hello. It's really more of a response that a servant would give to a master saying, I stand here ready for your command. It in itself is a statement of surrender. He says, here I am, he replied. Then God said this crazy request. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, this, the way this narrative goes in Abraham's life is most of it is summarized. Most of it is like the couple of verses might cover multiple days, multiple weeks. This is like that, the whole thing is kind of slowed down. And now we're kind of getting this word by word uh, interaction between the Lord and Abraham. And so it gets very detailed. Take your son, your only son. Son, the Hebrew word that's used for for son is Ben. So if someone is is Ben David, they are son of David. And so this this word son is used 10 times in this uh, whole story that we're about to look at here. Your son, your only son, the son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Here's the, what I want you to get this first thing. God's purpose, purpose in us is equally important to his purpose for us. Now, what's going on in this story, if you were here in week one, when we looked at Genesis 12, this initial call of God to Abraham, where he calls Abraham, and, and he calls him to go, And he calls him to go to a place that he will show him later. This reads very similar. He's calling Abraham to to go and do a thing, and he's not telling, he said, it's going to be in this region, but I'm going to show you later exactly where it is. It sort of ties into how Genesis 12, he's asking Abraham to go somewhere that he's never been before. That's why we're calling this series Uncharted, this idea of God taking us to new places that we've never been before, taking us on an adventure, and we don't know exactly where it's all going to look like, and and so he says, he invites him to go to a place that he'll show him later, and scenarios, he's asking him to give something up. Initially, he's asking him to, to give up all, all that came with the security of being a part of the city where he was, where he was known, and he was surrounded by family, and, and, and all that came with all of that. It was giving something up, and again, it's go, a place I'll show you later, and to give something up very, very precious to you. And you see, what God is asking Abraham to do, the idea of anyone asking anyone to, to give up a child is unbelievable to us. I wanna unpack that for you a little bit more in a moment, but you have to understand just exactly how significant it was to Abraham. He was his his son. His, the other son that, that, that he'd had earlier, Ishmael, was no longer uh, there in the picture, so your son, your only son, but it was the son of all every single promise that God had made to Abraham was rooted in this son, Isaac. He was the son of promise. This promise of this great nation to come, it was all rooted in Isaac. Everything that Abraham had waited his whole life until he was very old, this child came in his old old age, he was the son of promise. Everything about what Abraham had looked forward to up until this point and was looking forward to in the future, everything about his identity of all the blessings and promises that God had said to Abraham were all rooted in Isaac. And now God's saying, give him up. It's unbelievable. Offer him up as an offering. And I just want to give a quick aside. As, as a rule of thumb, when what, we, what I would always tell people is, is if you believe that God is that telling you to do a thing that is outside of his character or his word, he's not. So people come and they say, you know, what? I had this real peace from God about. There's this person at my workplace, they are smoking hot, and I feel like maybe God wants me to sleep with them. And I'm like, nope, no, he doesn't. He for sure doesn't. My spouse has gotten a little bit grumpy, I think God wants me to divorce him. He for sure doesn't. Like there are things in God's word that are just God's character and it's God's word and it's crystal clear. And so the weird thing about this story is it feels like God is asking Abraham to do something outside of his character, and Abraham quickly goes for it. So let me just unpack this just a little bit about the uniqueness of this moment. See, Abraham, the the unique thing about Abraham is he had a history of God speaking to him very, very, very clearly. And God had a history of showing himself incredibly trustworthy in dramatic ways Ways that we don't see in these dramatic levels outside of maybe one or two other characters in all of the Scripture. And, and so and this is a very unique person who had a very unique relationship with God, who had this track record of God speaking clearly, and then these dramatic, dramatic things taking place. And, and so it's a situation where Abraham is living outside of the principle that, that we should live in, which is... God's not going to ask me to do something that his word has told me not to do. It's a very unique situation that was rooted in Abraham's long standing, hearing very clearly God's voice, and then God showing himself in very dramatic, remarkable ways in his life. And so, but what's happening here is God is growing Abraham. It's about what God is doing in Abraham. See, the principle is this God's purpose in us is equally important to God's purpose for us. A God is growing Abraham by having him wrestle with the one thing that he treasures in life the most, that one thing that makes life worth living, that one thing that had became the source of his identity, that thing that he'd been waiting for his entire life, the thing that all of the promises that God had spoken to him, they were all centered on this one thing, this one person, this son, Isaac. God is having him wrestle with, with the, the one thing that he treasures and trusts the most in his life and that and it's all about this test it's all about God growing Abraham in this moment the principle is this god' God's purpose in us is equally important to God's purpose And so if you're a follower of Jesus, God has things in store for you to do. Ephesians 2.10 says we're God's workmanship or we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's got things for you to do. He has purposes for you. He's told us that he, he wants us to be salt and light. He's told us he's invited us to join his mission to reach the whole world, go make disciples of the whole world. He's told us he wants us to, to, to live out as the body of Christ and live the life of Christ and, and, and the world to point people to, towards him. He has he's all these things for us to do, purposes for us but what he wants to do in us is equally important. This process, the Bible talks about what we would call sanctification, this process where the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the people that God has brought into our life and the church and and circumstances that God uses, all of these things in this journey of making us more like Jesus, God's work in us. And so for us in this uncharted season, our heart behind it has been that it would be equal parts what God wants to do in us, and what God wants to do through us. Equal parts this idea of, yes, these steps that we're taking as a church are going to allow us to to make a bigger difference here in South Reno than we've ever made before, and and it's going to allow us to take the gospel close to people in Carson and take the gospel close to people in Sparks. It's going to allow us to transform a village in, in five different villages in India and a village in Bolivia and a village in Costa Rica. And it's going to allow us to have a, a Christian school where Jesus is at the center and academic excellence that they're kind of married together, Christ-centered, academically excellent in a way that raises up a generation of leaders. And yes, it's going to allow our kind of seven-day-a-week ministries here go to new places. It's all these things that will happen through us, God using us in transformative ways. We feel called of God. You know, really, when when we, you know, we were, were in the season seven years ago, where we were moving towards, you know, building this building, et cetera. You know that 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 is something that most churches would see as as a goal. Kind of that was us just becoming an ordinary church that didn't meet in a dodgeball room, upstairs. If you never were part of a service upstairs in our where we do kids' church now. Be like 185 people in there, room made for about 170 people. You're sitting like an inch from your neighbor. You're like, at least, at least everyone's sitting about this close to me, getting spit on every week. Like, and like that was a mo- like every single church in America would say, hey, we, we need to have a building to build a h- worship in on, on the regular. And, 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 but you know, this is a, a moment of, of God opening the door for us to make extraordinary impact regionally in a transformative way in one of the most unchurched regions in America. It's an opportunity for extraordinary impact, both here, South Reno, regionally, globally. Extraordinary impact. And so there's this whole aspect of what God wants to do through us, but but we we really do believe this principle that what God wants to do in us in this moment is equally important to what God wants to do through us. That's what's going on here with Abraham. This is all about God growing Abraham and his trust in him and making it clear to God and to Abraham as, as much as anything that, that he is putting God above all else. And so for all of us, our great desires that this really would be equally about God taking us to new places of passion for him and priority for his kingdom and trust and, and, and that it would be equally what God wants to do in us is what God wants to do through us. And that's what we're seeing happening here is that God is gonna do this His history-making work through Abraham that it's gonna be this founder of this great nation. He's gonna give him all this land, that ultimately the story of salvation begins here in Abraham because it's gonna be through Abraham that the whole world is blessed and it's all rooted in what God begins in Abraham, that ultimately Jesus would come. And so it's this history-making, most influential person other than Jesus ever to live by most accounts. And so it's this big stuff that God wants to do through him but what God wants to do first is some stuff in him, and that's what this whole story is about. See, here's the thing. You don't know if something is too important until you consider if God is calling you to surrender it. Let me show this to you. Verse four. On the third day, so Abraham leaves. The next day after God speaks to him, he's on this three-day journey. He doesn't know exactly where he's going, has general direction, but God hasn't shown him yet. He looked up. And then now God shows him. He saw the place in the distance. That's the place that I'm supposed to go. He said to his servants, this is one of the most powerful moments of this story. He says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. And I love this next phrase. Then we will come back to you. See, we see in this moment, Abraham's holding on to this promise. It's all rooted in this this faith and the promise. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, remember that? Place it on his son Isaac, remember that? He himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up. Isaac has no doubt seen Abraham worship the Lord before, no doubt offer sacrifices before. He's seen animals given as an act of offering before. And so he's like, kind of realizes, Dad, usually there's an animal with us here. He's beginning to get a little curious. Yes, my son, Abraham replied, he said, and then Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham answered again this declaration of faith. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Now that it gets even more wild. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I gotta, here's a person who I think doesn't get enough credit in this story. It's Isaac. Now Isaac, most scholars would say, at this point is 15 years old. If he was strong enough to carry the wood... Now, listen, he he was strong enough to resist this whole thing of getting tied up, and I've got a 13-year-old son. And my commitment that I'm committed to and working out more to guarantee that I can is to be able to take him physically until he is at least 25 years old. (laughs) I am fully committed to that. and But now, his scrappy 13-year-old self If I wanted to tie him up, I'm gonna need to go at it while he's asleep. He's faster than I am. And And so Isaac, what we don't even think about is Isaac has become this willing participant in this moment. And here's the only way that makes any sense at all is that along the way, Abraham's life of intimacy and faith with God has become contagious to his son. Somebody cares about the next generation, that's good. It's, uh, it's uh, that, that Abraham has told him over and over and over again, well, God spoke to do this hard thing. And then he showed himself strong and faithful. And God spoke to do this hard thing. And he, and he showed himself to be strong and faithful. And God is a trustworthy God. And he'd seen his dad step out in faith and tell those stories and do difficult things. And and so Abraham here has said, God's gonna provide. We're gonna go back. God's gonna provide. We're gonna go back. And so now it's all come to this climactic moment. He's tied him up and he's put him on top of, of this wood. And the only way that he's not fighting his old, super old dad, Abraham, is if this faith and if this trust has become generational because he's seen the faith and trust of his father in action and seen God come through in his father's life and heard the story. It's this beautiful picture of generational faith. And I think questions that we all have to ask as parents is are our kids seeing us in general take meaningful steps of faith, trusting God to come through? See, here's the thing, what we see in this this situation here. This principle, if you don't know if something's too important until you ask God, could I let this go? If God asks me to surrender this, could I do it? That's the only way you know if something's become too important. See, the thing is, Isaac could very easily have become an idol to Abraham. Abraham could have fallen into the trap of allowing the good gift from God to become a source of competition with God. He could have allowed it to become an idol. He could have allowed the good gift of Isaac to now become this substitute, this gift from God of Isaac to become a substitute for God. He could have elevated him. He was waiting for him his whole life. God, he finally gets this thing he's been waiting for his whole life. God says, hey, everything about you, what I want to do through you, it's all in this, it's all wrapped up in this one son, Isaac. It would have been very, very easy for him to elevate him to a place where the good thing becomes a God thing. In our life, it becomes an idol. See, that we don't know if something's too important until we ask, could I let this go? Isaac, Abraham passes the test. Isaac had not become an idol. See, an Isaac, something that we're holding in in, in the proper place of, of priorities, is something that we recognize is on loan from God. An idol is something that we feel like we own. An Isaac is something that we appreciate and are grateful for. An idol is something that we think we need and are possessive of. An Isaac is something that we would release for the glory of God if we felt like God wanted us to do it. An idol is something that we would never consider giving up. We don't know if something's too important in our life until we consider if God wanted me to give this up, could I even wrestle with that? Would I even do that? It's really, we see two powerful principles at work here. One is the principle of sacrifice. Sacrifice is when I give up something I love for something or someone that I love more. Sacrifice is when I give up something I love for something or someone that I love more. And then the other principle, which is equally if not more important, is the principle of surrender. Surrender is really when I write God a blank check with my life. When I come to him with open hands and I say, God, I surrender. There's nothing off limits to you. Surrender is living a nothing off limits kind of life. We see these principles here where, where, where God could ask Abraham to give up this thing that he loves so much for, for God who he loves more. He's asking Abraham to that even that thing that was most precious to him, his son, to not hold on to. T- many, many of us go through life like from Lord of the Rings with Gollum, my precious. I can't do any good imitations. All my imitations are the same. But we just hold on tightly to that thing that we see is most precious in our life. But Abraham says, hey, everything good's come from you. I trust you, and and I'm living life with a a, a nothing-off-limits kind of life. I grew up in a church that sung really traditional hymns, and one of the hymns that stuck with me from a child is that song, I Surrender All. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. It's these principles, the principle of sacrifice, the principle of surrender. Check out this video from a family of life church.
1: We we came to Reno um, through, I suppose, a comedy of errors. Um, I guess to start out, I'm a surfer and there's no surf in Reno. This would not have been my first choice. <laughs> But through just life events and opportunities and and difficulties, uh, particularly difficulties, um, we ended up where we were supposed to be. And uh, I I can't even explain how God has just immensely blessed us in this journey. It's been a difficult road. And um, I wanna be an encouragement to other people who are on on that path of trusting God. I was a mortgage broker for about 20 years, and it was always feast or famine. Um, my prayer was always, Dear Lord, please help me to provide for my family. And I, you know, always thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's a noble thing, you know, you want to provide for your family. And then, uh, then 2008 happened, and my business just came apart at the seams. And I found myself one day with, with tears in my eyes talking to God. And like I said, my my prayer was always, dear Lord, help me to provide for my family. And I was at my wit's end. So I changed my prayer. Dear Lord, please provide for my family. Just taking me out of the equation. And um, I think that's where God I think that's where God needed me to be. I needed to be at a place where I gave it up. And that was the day when I changed my prayer to say, dear Lord, please provide for my family. One year I was um, having my taxes done and my accountant, who was a Christian, um, knew, knew I was a Christian. And he said to me, you don't tithe. He said, that's that's the one place in the Bible God says to test him. I said, well, if it's my responsibility to tithe, then I'm going to tithe. And um, so we started tithing, and it was always difficult, you know. When when you have a lot of money coming in, it's a big check. And you're like, wow, that's a big check. And then when there's no money coming in, you're like, oh, that's, uh, that feels like a really big check because we don't have a lot of money coming in. Um, but... Through it all, we we trusted God, and um, it was just, um, I I don't know how everyone else's journey is going to go, but you don't know where God's blessing is gonna come from. But trust that it is. The surrender, um, it's a continuing (laughs) journey of uh, daily surrendering. It's not like you ever arrive at, well, I surrendered, God wins, you know, it's it's your your everyday, like, okay, am I being prideful in this moment? Uh, am I not looking to God? But the great thing about trusting God is that, um, you know, when things go good and you're taking the credit and you think you're awesome and, and uh, you know, you get to be the hero. Well, if you get to be the hero when things go bad, you got to take the blame, so <laughs> so when when you put God in charge, then you're just along for the journey, and you got to trust the journey. God never said He would be a light unto your destination; He's lighted to your path. He's lighting your path, and you're to trust that next step. It's hard sometimes <laughs> to trust that next step, but it's a wonderful journey. We know that. There's a journey and it is an uncharted path for us. And you know, if it wasn't for the, the collapse of my mortgage business, which seemed like a tremendous disaster at the time, I never would have gotten to the place where I would have humbled myself and sought God's blessing and God's provision for my family and feel so amazingly blessed. And it's enabled us to to give back and to bless others and and share with with other people about our journey and um, give them hope for their journey. And I think that's where God wants us to be, is to be humble and to be grateful and to take on a servant's heart to where we're trusting just that next step, that uncharted next step.
0: It up for the Matt Peterson. <laughs> Here's the last point. I think is probably the most important. No matter how big our faith, God's faithfulness is always bigger. See, this story is not primarily about Abraham's faith. The bigger story is about God's amazing faithfulness. How in the world did Abraham even get to this spot where when God would ask him to do something like this, that his instinct was to trust God, and, and it really all begins in, in the story of God's faithfulness in Abraham's past. See, for three days, Abraham's on this journey uh, to, to potentially do the unthinkable, and, and I believe for those full three days, he's, he's meditating on God's past faithfulness that from from God speaking to him initially and hearing that his voice and that initial call to leave everything that was known and everything that was comfortable to go to a place that would later be revealed to God meeting him personally in the person of Melchizedek who was called king of Salem with which is pretty similar to the name prince of King. It, it's the name that most people believe, most theologians would say that this is what's called a Christophany and a, and a Jesus making a cameo in the Old Testament of the, pre, the pre-incarnate the Christ coming. And and, and and so he has this encounter with, and, and where he ends up giving 10% of his whole net worth he kind of gives to this 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 king here, this king of Salem who is Jesus. And and so he has this powerful moment, takes communion with Jesus in that moment, bread and wine with Melchizedek, king of Salem. It's this incredible, to to seeing God's power on display and the whole thing with Sodom and Gomorrah to God keeping this promise to have this son in this very, very old age to this over and over again, the promise being reiterated to then in Genesis 15, one of the most powerful places where the promise is reiterated, there's this covenant that, and and the way it works out is God kind of does both sides of what would have typically been done in a covenant agreement between two people. It's this picture of of God's faithfulness, even when we're not faithful. And it's all of these moments in the past, God's faithfulness in the past, that allowed Abraham to step out in faith in this unthinkable kind of moment. And so I just imagine this whole time he's on this hike, he's saying, God, you promised you promised that you were gonna do all these things through this little boy that now you're asking me to give up to you, you promised. And so God, would you help me to trust you because you've been faithful in the past. God, help me to trust you because you've been faithful in the past. And this gave Abraham this off-the-charts faith. The writer of Hebrews gives us a little insight into just how big Abraham's faith was leading into this moment, Hebrews eleven seventeen. Because you remember the part of the story where Abraham says to the servants, hey, we're gonna go worship you, and then we're coming back. Hebrews 11, and then when Isaac says, hey, dad, where's the animal? Hey, God's gonna provide. This is, the writer of Hebrews gives us some of what's going on in Abraham's head. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, it was about his growth. Offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, he's the son of promise. All this stuff I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do through him. Abraham reasoned, this is incredible faith here, based on God's previous faithfulness. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. See, here's the thing, when I know God's voice, and I've seen God's power, and I know God's character, I can live with a nothing-off-limits kind of approach to life, a life of surrender. It was all rooted in God's faithfulness in the past, and and I'd encourage you in this moment, but just regularly, just consider God's faithfulness in, in, in past seasons in your own life. As Claire and I were after Friday night, our advanced commitment night it was a powerful moment, and we were just reflecting on God's faithfulness just these last 18 years almost at Life Church and just God's faithfulness through great moments and through difficult moments, that His faithfulness has been the constant. And so there's this aspect of God's faithfulness in the past, and then here in the story, we see God's faithfulness in the present. Let me show this to you. He's about, he's, about to, he's about to sacrifice Isaac. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham. And again, he says, here I am. This statement as if a servant saying to his master, yes, I'm ready to respond and serve. Here I am, he replied. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. I think as much as anything, God. God I believe God knew the end of this, how the, God knew how this story was gonna end. I believe this was equal parts about Abraham knowing that in the hard moment that he would trust and obey. He says, because you've not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns in like a little bush. He went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides it. And, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will pre- be provided. In Hebrew literature, especially this time, the name that was given to a place was very important. And, and you see, Abraham, the, the, Abraham could have named this place the place where Abraham had the big giant faith. And he could, have, he could have named this place the place where Abraham passed the test. Could have, it could have been like faithful Abraham. But he named it the Lord will provide because the big story isn't Abraham's faith. The big story is God's faithfulness. And, and so he names it, the Lord provides Jehovah Jireh. The the thing that's more impressive in this story is, is, is not Abraham's commitment to God. It was is God's commitment to Abraham and really the picture of God's commitment to us. It was less about Abraham's faith and more about God's faithfulness. And so in the, in the past, God had showed himself faithful to Abraham. In this present moment here, God is showing himself faithful. Faithful to Abraham and a question I'd ask you to consider in this season is how are you seeing God's kindness and faithfulness in your life and in your family in this season? So Abraham we experience God's faithfulness, the past, God's faithfulness in the present. And then, and then what happens here in this story is God commits again to his faithfulness in the future. See, every single time that Abraham responds to God's call, or every single time Abraham steps out, in all these moments, really two things happen over and over and over again. God, in each time, it reminds Abraham in more specific and powerful and potent ways of all that he has in store, these giant promises. And in all the, every single occasion, we see Abraham worship and usually his worship accompanied by giving. And and so here we see this, this faithfulness in the future promised again. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. Again, God reaffirms his faithfulness to the original promise, his faithfulness for the future. But here, you know what's the most powerful thing in this story? Is we see this picture of God's faithfulness forever. See, Abraham's able to do this because of God's faithfulness in the past. In the moment God shows himself faithful in the present, God reminds Abraham about his faithfulness for his future. But really, this story, as much as anything, is about as a picture of God's forever faithfulness to all of us. You see, centuries later, probably about a 1,000 years later, another one and only son, whom the father loved, would walk up a mountain, and again, that son would willingly carry the wood up the mountain. This time, however, the knife would not be stopped in midair. air Jesus would take all of our sin and brokenness upon himself. These, see, the thing is, what scholars would tell us is that these mountains of Moriah, it's where Jerusalem ended up being, it's where the temple ended up being, that, that scholars would say that this either was the place or incredibly close to the exact place that we would call Golgotha, Mount Calvary, the place where Jesus died. It's, it's as if Abraham... That it's, it's as if this whole event is this prophetic drama looking forward to God's ultimate provision for our greatest needs. This ultimate drama enacted hundreds of years before Jesus came. It's as if Abraham plays the part of God. And it's as if for the first part of the story, Isaac plays the part of Christ. That that he's the one that is carrying this wood, this son, this one and only son, carrying this wood up to this place where it appears as if he's going to die. And then, but then the last half of the drama, the picture of Jesus is no longer Isaac. It's this lamb that is inside that has been caught in this bush by by the horns. It's this picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect, spotless lamb offered in our place, that, and and that he would willingly, just like Isaac, willingly gets up on that altar. Jesus willingly, even though he could have called all the angels of heaven, he just willingly takes it. He willingly chooses to give himself. It's this picture that that Paul talks about in Romans of of this idea that that the God who is withheld didn't withhold his one and only son. Why would he withhold anything from us? See, the story's not even mostly about Abraham. It's not mostly about Abraham's commitment to God. It's mostly about God's commitment to us. It's his faithfulness. And so what we see in the life of Abraham is the same thing about us in this uncharted moment is what we do is in every single occasion simply a response to him. We're never the heroes of the story. You could give $15 million to this initiative and believe me, we would let you. You're not the hero of the story. God, the one who has richly given us everything we have from life to eternal life to the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he, him who gives us the power to create wealth. No matter, no matter how big our faith, his faithfulness is always exponentially bigger bigger. He's the hero of the story. So everything we ever do, simply a response. Even next week when we have this moment as a church, all of us, even those of us that have already, we here Friday night, all of us together, active unity, coming and, and, and making our commitments together. It's all just a response. Some people have asked questions like, hey, do I need to do this whole worksheet here at the top? The answer to that is no. This is simply to help you think, recognize that, that this is this uncharted commitment over the next two years, it includes all of your normal giving. Whether that, all of your normal giving is included, all of your increased giving on a regular basis over these next couple of years, all of that's included, and then everything you're giving out of stored resources, whether that's cash or stock or properties. I had a guy right before this service say, hey, I've got a bunch of sports memorabilia. Hey, we've all got stored resources that we can liquidate as an act of generosity. So the key thing that matters is this middle piece. My, our, total, um, uncharted commitment. That includes all of your, what would have been normative giving for a two-year period, your increased giving that you feel led to, gifts out of stored resources, this piece, and then your information on the bottom is the key piece that matters. But what, what, it all, what we really want this to be is this response that, that really is marked by a few things, that, that it would really be a, a mark of faith. That this would be us all taking a next step of faith. And here's a question I'd ask you. When was, when was the last time following Jesus caused you to risk anything? John Wember, big big personal hero, Pastor Tom's big hero to a lot of us. He, he said, How do you spell faith? You spell it R I S K. When was the last time following Jesus caused you to risk anything? See, we're going to build a church for in five different little villages in India. It's amazing how far the, the dollars can go to, in a place like India, the most populous nation in the world, one of the least Christian nations in the world. But what you may or may not even know, it's also one of the nations in the world where it's the hardest to be a Christian. We'll build a church in five different villages. Right now, on a Sunday, there's a little church meeting under a tree, and they're doing so knowing that there is risk to themselves that they may end up being experiencing physical harm. It's not unusual at all for Christians, pastors specifically, to be beaten in India simply for following Jesus. They're simply going to church today at meaningful risk. When was the last time you stepped out in faith and following Jesus caused you to risk anything? Maybe you've been thinking about talking to your boss about Jesus. Your boss doesn't know Jesus. God's put him on your heart. You've got a burden for him. But you know that in the natural, he holds the future whether you keep getting paid. So you're scared to death legitimately. Maybe God's calling you to go and kindly and winsomely and share how Jesus has changed your life and how the same can happen for him. When was the last time following Jesus caused you to take a risk? This is this kind of moment. So as we make these commitments next week, we want them to be marked by faith. We want them to be an expression of sacrifice. That's Claire and I's heart in this in our own family that, that this would be a moment where, where we are choosing to give something that we love for something or someone that matters more. That that this gift would be would be costing us something. It would be a act of sacrifice, that it would be a, a commitment that, that, that speaks of surrender, saying, God, I'm living with a nothing's off limits to you kind of approach to life, this surrender thing, and really just an act of worship. That, that worship can be best described as any time we rightly, worship's not primarily singing, although singing is a part of it, but worship is any time that we rightly respond to who God is and what he has done. And that can be, when you go to work tomorrow, can be an act of worship. If you're doing it as as an act of responding to the greatness of who God is and the wonder of what he's done, if that's what's motivating you in worship tomorrow, it's an act of worship. Our whole lives are to be this sort of reflection, and so this uncharted commitment, an act of faith, an act of sacrifice, an act of surrender, and an act of worship, just a response to the goodness of God because he is the hero of the story. As big as our faith is, his faithfulness is exponentially greater. As big as our love for him is, his love for us is exponentially greater. As much as we give him, all that he's given us is exponentially greater. So let me pray for us. That really is Claire and I's heart. As we go into next week, that, that, that as we give, and the commitment we made Friday night, for us, that it, it was and is a demonstration of faith, a, a heart fueled of willingness to sacrifice, willingness to surrender, wanting it to be a heart of worship, and the commitment we made Friday was a significant next step for us in generosity and but we're even open over the next week, if, if God puts it on our heart to take a, even increase that between now and next Sunday, we're still open to whatever he wants. And I'd encourage you to be in on this journey with us. And so, Father, we thank you that you have invited us in. Lord, we thank you that you've invited us in to be a part of what you are doing. And Lord, we just confess you're the hero of the story. We confess your faithfulness is exponentially bigger than our faith. And we confess your commitment to us is exponentially greater than our commitment to you. And God, we confess your love for us is exponentially greater than our love for you. So God, we do just pray that this season in our lives, Lord, would be us rightly responding to who you are and all that you've done. Let it be an act of worship, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.